0: So I'm guessing none of you have ever been offended, right? Now there's millions of reasons that we get offended. There's all kinds of things that happen in our lives. And unfortunately, even Christians offend one another, don't we? Even people who should be the most unoffendable and the most unoffending still sometimes wrestle with this stuff. And so, I don't know about you, but I've got about 10,000 stories about times when I've been offended by something. And I think back to when my wife and I were first announcing that we were pregnant, we were so excited to be having our first child, and we got up, I was the youth pastor at the time, we got up in front of the youth group, we told the youth group kids, they were all so excited and happy and amazed, except there was this one family, and this one family, after, the, after we made the announcement, came up to us and basically said, um, we don't think that this is the right time. And I was like, I don't really know you got a voice in that or not, right? And they're like, we think you really should continue to just look at the youth group kids like they're your own kids, like God's giving you these children. And I'm like, I don't think that's how it works, all right? But we were just so upset that in this moment of excitement when people should have been celebrating with us that that's what happened. A few months ago, actually probably about a year ago, you guys remember at the school down the street when we were still meeting in the building there, we did the Worship Revolution series. We had the stage in the middle of the room and we had all the chairs around the stage. It was like a super kind of tight, close-knit environment. And as I'm sitting there and I'm getting ready to, to, to continue my message, all of a sudden this guy walks to the front row and he's got a paper bag and he opens up the paper bag and inside that is a burrito and he takes the burrito out and he proceeds to eat the entire burrito during my message. Now, I wasn't offended he brought a burrito, I was offended he didn't give me some like there was no offer for a bite or anything right and so those are just some kind of like you know uh, that that was a little annoying that was a little frustrating but man there are the ones that like really sting you know Like I've been told so many different things over the years as a pastor. I mean, one of the things that has been said a few times is, you know, Doug, you're so easily replaceable as the pastor of this church. Now listen, that is a true statement. It really is. Like God can snap his fingers and bring somebody else in in a second and may, may do a way better job than I'm doing. But it doesn't feel great to hear that. And it's easy to be offended at something like that. And I know you have probably a bunch of different stories about different times you were offended as well. And we're gonna talk in this series about what it would look like to become unoffendable. And this is really important. If you miss this, you miss a lot. In this series, these next three weeks as I use this phrase, offense, offendable, unoffendable, here's what I'm talking about. When I, I talk about becoming unoffendable, I'm not saying that, that feeling you get when your blood starts to boil, when someone hurts you or does something or says something stupid, I'm not talking about that initial feeling, okay? Because I don't know that that will ever go away. I'm more talking about what happens after that feeling. Because what so often happens is we become offended and our blood does boil, and next thing we know, we're hanging on to that offense and it turns into anger and hate and revenge and all kinds of stuff. And I'm talking about that. Now, as we kind of change our mindset in this series, I think we will actually get better at handling the initial offense. But my heart really is, and I think God's heart really is, to deal with the aftermath of the initial offense. It's the anger, it's the unforgiveness. And here and now, man, we need to hear this message so much. I believe we are more easily offended now than ever before. When I was a kid, it just felt like people were a little tougher, like everybody's skin was a little bit thicker. And it feels like everybody is almost looking for a reason right now to get offended. But along with that, I would say this. I think the stakes are higher I think the things that are bringing division and offense to people are kind of much bigger than the things that happened back in the day. Like, let me tell you a couple of the things that I experienced as a kid. This is embarrassing to say, but here are some of the things that divided Christians when I was a kid. Number one, drums. Drums were of the devil when I was a kid in church, right? Like, the organ was God's instrument, and I was a drummer, so I don't know what that said about me, but, man, drums were the devil, and anybody played the drums was right? And so that divided churches. Then this one blows my mind, especially Pat announced small groups are kicking off for us this week, community groups. I don't know how this happened, but like in the late 80s, early 90s, a bunch of churches said, you know what, we're going to introduce small groups into our church, and we're going to get into each other's lives and do life together, and that like split a bunch of churches. I don't get how that happened, but that was something people got offended over for this reason or that. Then, of course, you had your, your good old arguments about predestination or free will, about end times. That was a big one. Then eventually, uh, 2000s, mid-2000s, you know, you had lights coming in the room and fog and bands and projection screens, and everybody got freaked out about that. And so there's been so many different things, but I feel like the stakes are so much higher right now, because the stuff that we're you know, wrestling with is like here and now, it's got teeth, you can feel it, you can sense it. Not only is this stuff dividing the church, this is important, it's dividing the world too. And that's why I think what we're going through right now is so heavy. Like I said, you can feel it, man. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here today, it's awesome you're here. You are always welcome here. We're so glad you're here. But I'm going to say something. Even though you're not a follower of Jesus, you can sense the tension in the world right now. You sense it at home. You sense it at school and work. You feel the same thing I'm talking about tonight, this division, right? And so for a couple weeks, I want to talk about this division this offense this anger this brokenness we're walking through right now and how as followers of Jesus we navigate it correctly and again I've been God's been leading all different service all different ways I don't know where exactly we're going to go tonight but he's been taking me off script a lot here today but here is what we're dealing with right now we are dealing with safety right some people say mass some people say no mass some people say we should be meeting we shouldn't be meeting and so that's got some teeth you feel that right then there's the racial war, the racial brokenness, right? There's trying to work, work, with, work with and walk alongside our black brothers and sisters, relate to what they're feeling, walk along with and work with cops. We got two, two shot last night in the hospital right now. Like, like, there's so much brokenness going on, and, and I think we all love people who are officers, and we all love people who are black brothers and sisters, and like, how do we bring them together? And, and there are people here tonight that are like, hey, I, I, I'm for both, and there's others saying I'm not, for, I'm not for them, but I am for them, and there's just all this brokenness. How do we navigate it? And then on top of that, we got an election coming up, and so the politics, oh my gosh, I think we're all dreading November 3rd. Like, what's life going to look like around then? And so, man, this stuff has teeth, right? We are feeling the stuff that is offending us. And so I wanna talk for a few weeks about how we navigate it. And I gotta warn you, I've been emotional today. I've been, I've been laughing, I've been crying up here. Um, there's just so much that we feel in this. And I just feel like as the church, guys, we have such an opportunity to make an impact right now. And so I hope you will help me out today and walk with me, and kind of lean into what I think God's wanting to do today, because this is just so important. And before I get any further, there's a couple things i got to say. First off, I want to make something clear. I'm not trying to send you a hidden message. Like, if you are here, and you're knowing, like, oh man, maybe I hurt Doug recently, maybe he's trying to send me a hidden message, and he's angry about X, Y, or Z, like, I'm not, okay? I didn't print out your picture and put it next to my computer as inspiration for this message, all right? No, 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 no. See, this is all stuff we all need to hear, and that leads to my next thought. My next thought is this, that you and I, man, we so badly need to know that this is an issue for me as much as it is for you. Like, these struggles that we all face are as much an issue for me as they are for you. In fact, I really felt God kind of whispered in my heart as I was getting all this stuff ready and getting into this series. Doug, don't ask people to go where you won't go, Right? Like, don't ask people to go in their relationship with me and becoming unoffendable if you won't go there yourself. And so, I actually want to stop right now and I want us to pray. And I want you to pray for me. I'm going to pray for you. Because I really pray that this just all comes out of humility and love and it's wrapped up in grace. And so can we just pray, God, I just ask that you'll help us right now. God, this is such a challenging topic and a challenging time. And so, Lord, I just ask you for your help. I pray you'll communicate through me in a heart of humility and passion and love. And I pray that this will all be wrapped in grace. And I pray that all of our hearts will be open to what you want to say to us tonight in your name. Amen. So there is a book called Unoffendable. And our staff is reading it right now. We're going through it as the staff are almost done. We've had some amazing discussions around this book. I've read it almost two times now because I just thought it was so good. It was by, it's by an author named Brant Hansen. I know he sounds like a country singer, but we won't hold that against him. But this book is so good. And here's what i want to ask you to do. And I know we got some young people here tonight don't have a lot of cash on them. So here's the deal. I wanna ask every person in our church to read this book. Okay, you're watching online, listening to the podcast, you're here. I want to ask you to read this book. It's $10 on Kindle. If you know what a Kindle is, a real book is $13. If you don't have the 10 or the 13, we will buy the book for you. We will give it to you. Okay? It's just that important. And I want you to know that this series is unoffendable. I borrowed the name. And I'm gonna quote the author some, but everything I'm saying is like fresh content that God put on my heart. So I didn't just copy and paste the book and now I'm preaching his stuff. No, this is stuff God put on my heart and I believe as you read the book and as you come here for the series, it's gonna complement each other really well. But this is so important to talk about and here is why. Because if the enemy can't destroy our faith, he'll destroy our unity. Like he'll, he's going out, if he, if he can't take your faith out, if he can't get you to stop believing in God, what he'll do is get you away from the people of God, right? And instead of us being on mission and doing the things we're supposed to be doing in this season to win the loss to Jesus and point them to the hope of our Savior, we're going to be discussing and arguing, trying to win people to our side and all distracted. So a lot of you guys know that we have a puppy named Chewy. And my goal for Chewy's existence is that eventually he'll learn to go, but we'll see what happens, okay? But, but Chewy lives up to his name because he's not just standing after Chewbacca. It's also because, man, this dog chews everything. He chews socks and cups and people and mulch. He loves mulch outside. And all we have to do when he is on mission to go eat something he shouldn't be eating is dangle something in his face. And when we do, we get him distracted. And I'm telling you right now, guys, the enemy is dangling offense in our face. That person's political views, that person's view on masks, that person's view on this theology and dangling it in our face right now. And the question is, is will we fall for it or will we stay on mission and make the impact we're supposed to make here at this incredibly important time? You see, when we're unified men, we are loving people well. We are pointing them to the hope of our Savior. And when we're not, we're having imaginary arguments and we're getting people on our side and we're concocting a way to win. It's just so deadly to God's purpose for our church. And so we're going to navigate this together the next few weeks. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, I pray that you will walk this with us and you will look to some incredible hope that I'm going to share as we go throughout the series as well. So we're going to look tonight just a few verses in 1 Corinthians 4. And Paul wrote 1 Corinthians 4. And I want to remind you who Paul is. And this is really, really important. Paul was a guy who thought he had everything together but was actually a mess. I'm sure we've all been there at one point or another in life. We thought we had everything together. We were actually a mess. And then he encountered Jesus. Everything changed. And listen to me. He became the number two most important person in the church. Number one is Jesus. Number two is Paul. And listen to what Paul wrote. He wrote in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 3, I care very little if I'm judged by you or by any human court. What's Paul doing? He's taking the emphasis off of what everybody else thinks about him. Man, if we could just stop right there, if we applied that to social media, if we applied that to our daily interactions, and just became a bunch of people who said, I'm not going to worry about what everybody else thinks about me. We would become the most unoffendable people on planet Earth. You see, Paul understood something. Paul well understood that we are people who have opinions, but our opinions aren't us, right? Like your opinions aren't you. There's, there's a person behind your opinions, right? And, and your opinions aren't you. My opinions aren't me. Who, who we really are, a bunch of people saved and redeemed by Jesus, and we need to look past one another's opinions. Now, here's the thing. Some of you are getting nervous. I am not saying we throw out right and wrong. I'm not saying we throw out the Bible. I'm not saying we throw out our political stance. I'm not saying we stop fighting for the causes that we fight for. But listen to me, everybody look up at me real quick. Please, what this means is we wrap all of it in grace. All of it. Every conversation, every time we lock eyes with somebody, we remember that they're loved by God. We remember that Jesus got on a cross for them right? We wrap it all in grace. That's the heart of what we're talking about here in this series. So Paul says, you know, you can judge me, you can judge me, not. whatever. I'm just going to tell you, I'm not really worried about what you're going to judge or not judge. And then he goes on. He says, indeed, I don't even judge myself. Paul says, I'm even careful about how I think about myself because he knows the truth is he could be way off about his own motivation, have you ever done something and you thought you had one motivation and you look back like a two weeks later or a year later, you're like, oh man, I was so doing that for the wrong reason. And Paul understands that he's got to be so careful because even he can sometimes get it wrong, right? And the truth is, we are so often more harsh in our judgments towards others and more light in our judgments towards ourselves. Maybe not when we do something wrong. When we do something wrong, sometimes we beat ourselves up. And I wanna let you know, if you're doing that, God loves you, be free of that. You are forgiven. Walk in peace and hope and forgiveness. But I think so often we say, okay, well, here is my motivation and this was my side of the story and we judge ourselves very lightly but then we look at the other person and we come down so harshly on them. And that's why Paul says, I don't even judge my own heart because I know I could fool myself. There's a professor at, Yale when I was there. No, I didn't go there. But there was a professor at Yale, and he led a study that found that our passions and biases undermine even the most basic reasoning. He did this study where there was a bunch of math word problems. They got a bunch of mathematicians together, right? And, and I was not in the room for that one. They got all the mathematicians together who were great at math, and they said, all right, solve this problem. And the most brilliant math minds could not solve problems or at least struggled to solve problems when the obvious word answer contradicted their political belief. They just couldn't imagine. How could this be the right answer? This goes against what I believe. And so we have to understand what Paul's saying here that sometimes we fool ourselves. And so for me to come out and judge somebody, make a final judgment call and say, I am 100% right, you are 100% wrong. There's no conversation, there's no grace. Man, that is exactly the opposite of what the world needs right now. That's the exact opposite of what the people of God need to be right now. He goes on in verse four, he says, my conscience is clear, but that doesn't make me innocent. So he's saying, you know what? To the best of my knowledge, I am honoring Jesus with my life. I'm doing my best to to live for him, but I know something. I I don't know everything. I I know something. I don't know everything. I know something that I, I don't know everything. And there are things I might not even see in myself right now. He doesn't know his actual motivations. He doesn't know the other person's motivations. He doesn't know their backstory. He doesn't know what they've walked through, what they think. And guys, this is why I keep bringing this up, whether it's here or on social media. We have got to be having conversations with people. That's how we find out backstory. That's how we learn what somebody else is feeling. I said before, and I didn't plan on bringing any of this stuff with, up with, uh, with our black brothers and sisters and the cops and race, and I didn't, I didn't really plan on addressing all this tonight, but a kind of third service here, God's leading, all right? And I think what we've gotta do is sit. I have sat with cops and said, just tell me stories. Help me understand where you're at. And guys, the things they've said have broken my heart for what they are feeling right now that their hearts are broken for what's happening. Their hearts are broken for the things taking place in our nation. And I've sat with black brothers and sisters in the same thing. I've been on phone conversations. We've talked, how are things going? What are you feeling? What what have you been through? What have you experienced? Because I don't experience that. This is why we've got to just bring our judgments down right now, wrap everything in grace and say, What are you feeling? What have you been through? I need to hear, because then my heart can ache along with you. Whatever side of this you're on, we got to come together as we talk and communicate. Because Paul here is saying, I don't know everything. My conscience is is clear, but I'm not going to judge myself, just let myself off the hook, because there are some things going on deep inside I might not even know are going on. And then he goes on, he says, it is the Lord who judges me. Imagine living like that. Paul says, there's one voice I'm living for. And it's Jesus. And you can say what you want to say, but I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm going to keep on listening to the Lord. Now, again, some of you guys are upset right now. You're like, you're again, you're like, I don't like this stuff. It feels like we're throwing out right and wrong. It feels like we're throwing out our political stance or whatever that might be for you. No, 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 that's not what I'm saying. We're going to talk about it. Just stick with me. He goes on in verse five. He says, therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. You and I, well, let me just take you out of the equation. I am very quick to make judgments, right? Right? I think you might relate to that. I think we all relate. We can so quickly make a judgment call. And we can look at somebody in a category. We look at somebody who believes this or that, who voted that way, who has this theological view, who, who's been here or been there. And we can just shut them down. We can shut our hearts down to them. We can imagine that they're just written off. A lot of you guys were here last week and my friend Nick Amato shared his story. And I'm just so thankful for what he did. He did an incredible job and in his transparency and the and the truth nuggets that he he kinda wove throughout were so powerful. And one of the things that was so beautiful as a lead-in to today was to say, you know, so often we look at somebody and we think, ah, they're a mess, man. They're never going to get anywhere. Or or they're a mess. I mean, maybe when they have it all together, then I'll, I'll reach out to them and then I'll talk. And what I love is, man, there were people in this church that were willing to be with Nick four or five years ago when his life had fallen apart and not just see him where he was, but see him where he could be last week sharing what Jesus has done in his life, giving hope to you. And that is the struggle, guys. We look at our classmates, we look at our, the people in our, in our jobs and we, and we just write them off, man. They're perverts, they don't know what they're talking about, they have no faith, they're this, they're this political persuasion. We have to love them where they are because in five years they could all be Nick Amato. They could all be somebody whose life has been transformed by the grace of Jesus. And so we don't make a judgment before the appointed time. Because there's just a backstory we don't know yet, and it takes getting to know somebody and talking with somebody to hear it. There was a lady sitting on a subway, and as she was waiting for her stop, this family came on, a dad and a bunch of kids. And these kids were going nuts. You ever been in that situation? Like these kids are going crazy. All you want to do is tell these kids to stop and sit down and have some respect, right? That's all this lady wanted to do. But as this kid, these kids were going nuts, she finally looked at the father and said, Why don't you try and control your kids? He looked back up at her with this blank stare and said, I just found out my wife was murdered. And this woman then got up and cared for these kids lovingly herself. See, there's a backstory, everybody, that we don't know. Everybody's in process everybody's on a journey. God sees things in people's lives that we don't see right here and right now. And so we've gotta love them where they are. Now let's walk, walk the tightrope here, okay? This doesn't mean we don't have hard conversations anymore. I've had more hard conversations as a pastor in the last year and a half than all the years together before that. And you know what? If your friend lied about you, that doesn't mean you and I go, oh, let's just pretend it didn't happen. We're gonna be unoffendable. No, you talk to them. But listen to me, it's wrapped in grace your heart is to win them back to you and to Jesus, right? If your friend is struggling with addiction, we don't just pretend they're not struggling with addiction. No, we love them. We say, hey, how can I help you? How can I serve you? This is gonna kill you. This is a deadly road. We've gotta get you out of this, right? And so we don't take away hard conversations. It's just wrapped in grace. I think everyone who experienced Jesus saw love in his eyes, if that could be you and me, I think the only time there might have been a righteous anger in the eyes of Jesus, it wasn't when he was talking to prostitutes and tax collectors, it was when he was talking to the church people who thought they had everything worked out. And so you and I have to love and show grace and humbly talk with people, win them, not pulverize them, right? The author of the book, Bran Hansen. nope, skipped ahead here, sorry, different quote. Tom Constable said this, of course we must make judgments from time to time, but we should always do so with the knowledge that our understanding is imperfect. And so this means that when I have to talk with somebody, I know I'm not making the final judgment call, I'm just doing the best I can with what I have, and I'm gonna get to know them as best I can and hear their story, and we're gonna work this out the best we can, and the final judgment call is up to the Lord. And so, yes, we still have hard conversations. Yes, there's still right and wrong, right? We find right and wrong in the word of God. Guys, that's everything to us. We are not, you know, throwing out a bunch of cheap grace and becoming people who don't stand up for God's word anymore. No, we still do. I take the word of God and it dictates how I live, dictates the husband that I am, though I'm not perfect, the father that I am, though I'm not perfect. It dictates the pastor that I am, though I'm not perfect. It dictates, listen, you ready for this? And everybody's gonna drive off and never come back again. You ready for this? It dictates how I vote. What do we do with that? What do we do with November 3rd? How do we vote? Can I tell you how we vote? We take what this party stands for, And we take what this party stands for and whatever other parties are around now. And we we line them up next to each other and then we look at the word of God and we say, okay, all of these are imperfect at the end of the day, but which one most resembles the kingdom, right? That's what we do. And I, I gotta say this and then I'll get back to the real message. I gotta say this. I think a lot of us don't even know what our party stands for. I think a lot of us might know like one thing that our party is for or against and we vote based on that one thing, but we are missing a whole long sheet of other stuff. And so here's what I wanna say. If you don't know what your party stands for beyond one or two things, look into it, line it up with the word of God. In fact, I, have, I found this past week a couple really non-biased, just, hey, here's what this party's for, here's what that's party's for. And people have been asking me all day, can you email that to me? So if you want me to email that to you so you can really find out what they're about and then line them up next to the word of God and we'll be ready to roll November 3rd and vote the way that we feel God's, God leads, then please reach out to me tonight, text me, call me, email me, whatever, and I will get that to you. But we aren't dumbing down the word of God here. It has to still lead us, but it's all wrapped up in grace, Right? Every conversation, every person I talk with, every debate we engage in, every political cause we stand up for, it's all wrapped up in grace. Then it goes on. It goes on here in the next part. He says, wait until the Lord comes. He says, okay, so we're not gonna judge before the appointed time. Wait until the Lord comes. That's the appointed time. And I think what a lot of us have done is we've, we've decided, all right, I'm going to put myself in the judge's seat. i got to tell you something. If you're in the judge's seat, you're in the wrong seat. The Lord is the judge. The Lord sits in that seat. You and I do not. We have to make judgment calls here and there. We have to you know, be able to navigate relationships and protect our families and, and figure out how to best lead ourselves and others that we love through life. I got to do this as a pastor for you guys. I got to try and help make sure I'm leading you the right way, pointing you the right way. I take that so seriously. Kelly and I fast and we pray and we weep and we lose sleep because we want to make sure we're leading you the right way. So we do that, but it's got to all be done in humility, knowing that the Lord is the ultimate judge. And then he goes on, he says, he will bring to light what is hidden in darkness and will expose the motives of the heart. Guys, look, everybody look up at me again just in case I lost you in the last few minutes. I know we're kind of going a lot tonight, but look back up at me, all right? God is gonna expose the motives of our heart one day, but I have to tell you something because that sounds a little scary. The very next part of the verse says this. At that time, each will receive their praise from God. Everybody look up at me. Each will receive their praise from God. Did you just hear that? Think about this with me, please, right? And then if you want to tune out the rest of it, that's up to you. But look at me right now. The one person who can judge you and me rightly, the one person who has the absolute right to judge you and I is God. And when he judges us, Paul just told us that he will give us praise. That means when I stand before God and the motives of my heart are brought out, God's gonna put his arm around me. This brings tears to my eyes, guys. God's gonna put his arm around me. And he's gonna say, Doug, I wanna praise you for what you did here. I wanna tell you about what you did there. You were a blessing in this way. You got that right. I saw when you did this and nobody else saw. He's gonna do that for you too. Guys, the one person who has the right to judge is putting his arm around us and praising us for things after he exposes the motives of our hearts. What does that mean for us? That means that when you and I have a conversation with people we disagree with, at the end of it, we gotta put our arm around them and say, I wanna praise you for this or that. I see good in this or that. Maybe we believe 100% differently on politics or on this issue of theology, but at the end of the day, I'm gonna do what Jesus does for me, and I'm gonna wrap this all in grace, and I'm gonna praise you. I'll tell you what, guys, people will be falling off their seats Brant Hansen, the author of this book, says God knows others' private motives. We don't. God knows our private motives. We don't. We think we can judge others' motives. We're wrong. Think about how taking this to heart could deflate our own anger even before it takes hold. Unoffendable. Paul says, I'm gonna hold off final judgment. I'm gonna let the Lord do that, both for me and for them. And I'm gonna trust that he knows what he's doing. Now, here's what I wanna do. I'm gonna give you a bottom line. But some of you guys are going, but Doug, I have more questions. I have some objections. This is making me feel a little uncomfortable. Well, I'm gonna give us a few detailed little tips here in just a minute. But remember, this is part one of a three-part series. I'm hoping my voice is gonna make it through the whole series, because I'm a little worked up. Part one of a three-part message. I'd love to talk with you if you have questions, objections, and read the book. We will buy it for you if you can't afford it yourself. But here's what I want you to see today. And there's one word in this that's so important. It's the word choose, choose. Here's the bottom line for tonight. I will choose to be unoffendable because God alone sees all. I will choose to be unoffendable because God alone sees all. How can I remain offended when I don't see all and the other person doesn't see all? How can I allow my, my offense to grow into anger and hate and revenge if the other person is broken and I'm broken too, and God's working on all of us? Now listen to me, we have to be careful with this. If you're being sexually abused, physically abused, that's a different thing. We get you out of that, right? But even in that, God can still give your heart the grace to forgive and heal from it. But what would it look like for you and I to choose this? Well, we wrap everything in grace. Grace. We wrap everything in grace. That's the heart of this. Jesus wrapped everything in grace. Even when Jesus comes at me with truth and says, Doug, I wanna convict you by my Holy Spirit about this. You're compromising there, Doug. It's still wrapped in grace. It's still wrapped in love. And so this is what you and I do. We we let the love of Jesus radiate through our eyes and heart as we talk with with other people, even those who are most different from us. Next, we realize God is still working in us. He sees something we don't. When my family walked into our current home, it was a mess, like it was disgusting. It smelled bad, it hadn't been updated since the 60s. The kitchens were nasty, the bathrooms were nasty. It was just gross. And I always tease my daughter because the first time she walked in, she looked around, she looked at my wife and I and she went, this place is gross. Now she doesn't even talk like that, but, but that's what she did. And, and here's the thing, she was right. Guys, listen to me. Sometimes when we look at people, They are gross. Sometimes, listen to me, when people look at us, we are gross. But God sees something that we don't see. My wife and I saw something Bryn didn't see. Oh, honey, it's gross. It's nasty in here. But we're gonna get rid of that stink. And then we're gonna take that wall down and that wall down and we're gonna paint and we're gonna gut the kitchen and the bathrooms and it's gonna be incredible. We had a vision for what it could be. Guys, God has a vision for what you can be. But listen, this is the part we don't love. He's got a vision for the person that you don't like right now and who they could be too. And so we have to realize we are all being worked on by God. The author of the book says this, God sees things we don't, he must because he hasn't vaporized us yet. He must look at a seriously messed up world and still see what can be done with it. He sees what it can and will be. So we wrap everything in grace and we recognize God's still working on us. And listen to me, you ready for this? We look at the wonderful things. We we look for the wonderful things. What do I mean by that? We look at the person like God looks at us when he exposes the motives of our heart and praises us and we look for those beautiful wonderful things in the other person to praise in the midst of it and so maybe you go oh man You know, this person really hurt me, but uh, oh man, I gotta say, like they really reached my kid in 22.6 Kids. Like they were incredible with them and I so appreciate that. So I'm gonna find that beautiful thing in them, right? Or, oh wow, that person just kind of like really stabbed me in the back. But I remember a couple years ago in small group, they shared something so deep they were going through and it helped me so much. You find that beautiful, wonderful thing. Now listen, everybody look up at me again. Sometimes we cannot find the wonderful thing in the other person, Sometimes we can only find the wonderful thing in Jesus. Sometimes we have to look at him and see how beautiful he is because maybe there's not something beautiful to find in that person at that exact moment. But when we find that beautiful thing in Jesus, that love, that mercy, that grace we've been shown, then we can treat the other person differently. In the book, Brant talks about a prisoner. This man was in one of the worst prisons in the world. He was, he was in prison because he was a follower of Jesus And he was beaten every single day by the prison guards. Somebody snuck in a phone. And he and the other prisoners, the other Christians, would grab their phone and they'd sit around and listen to worship music. And then they'd get beaten again. And this man would hug his jailers after they beat him. Why? Because he found something beautiful in them? No, because he found something beautiful in Jesus. And that beauty made him... Treat this person in a way they didn't deserve. Guys, the same is true for you and me. This is what God's calling us to. And so we wrap everything in grace. We remember everybody's in process. God's still working on us all. We look for the beautiful things, and that leads us to being able to choose to be unoffendable. Maybe you didn't realize this was an option. I gotta tell you something. You choose to be unoffended all the time. So do I. I told you about my dog, Chewy. Can I tell you about something? He poops on my floor. It's not okay, everybody. If you did that, I wouldn't be all right with it. But you know what? I've chosen to be unoffended by it while he's training, while we're trying to get him to go outside, right? I just chosen to let it not let it bother me. Have you ever walked with somebody through a tragedy? And as you're walking with them, they say something to you and it really hurt you. And you just stop and you say, wait a minute, that's not them talking, that's the pain. You just chose to be unoffended. And so you and I have a choice. Because of what Jesus has done for us, we can choose to be unoffended. The author of the book is also a radio host. And as he kind of goes throughout his show, he'll, you know, have to do the weather like a normal, you know, radio person will. And, and this, this one time he, he gave the weather and he said, Hey, you know, it's going to be warmer than normal, warmer than it's supposed to be. It's usually 72, it's going to be 82 today. And instantly the phone rang. And it was one of the people listening and they said, I'm really disappointed to hear you say it's gonna be warmer than it's supposed to be because God ordains the weather and it's not gonna be warmer than it's supposed to be. It's gonna be exactly what he wants it to be. Oh my gosh, (laughs) so exhausting. And Brandt says, I could be so easily offended at that. And he went on and on. He brought all these other silly, ridiculous things that people call and complain about. And he said this, it's enough to make someone quit unless we just decide to quit being offended. It's a decision we have. It's a choice we have. And what does this mean for us in church world? Oh, man, that person was so rude, so self-centered. They believe the wrong thing about masks and safety. They believe the wrong thing about politics. They believe the wrong thing about the race wars. They believe the wrong thing about theology. You know what? I'm never talking to them again. You know what? There's no hope for them. I'm writing them off. In fact, I might leave the small group. You know, I'd probably even leave the church. Maybe I'll even give up on Jesus because I don't even want to be a part of this anymore. Or... We choose to be unoffended. We choose to wrap everything in grace. We choose to recognize that we're all in process, including the other person. That that person I'm locking eyes with right now, Jesus died for them too. And then now there's a love in my eyes. There's a compassion in my heart. Guys, I gotta tell you something. I love you guys. Like my wife and I, I want you to know we carry You guys with us, we carry the burdens you feel. We carry the burdens that weigh you down. We carry the things you're going through. We mourn with our officers in the church who are going through what they're going through. We mourn with our black brothers and sisters in the church who are going what they're going through right now. We are trying to be sensitive to everybody's you know, convictions about safety and, and all this stuff we're going through right now. We're trying to you know, just love on everybody even though we might come from political different you know, backgrounds and mindsets and all that and we're gonna unite around Jesus and just remember that we're all in process and that love is truly the answer right now and we've gotta choose to be unoffended. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, that's my prayer for you and I as we kick off this series That we'd say, okay, God alone sees all. I'm gonna humble myself. That's what this is all about. I'm gonna humble myself. I'm gonna wrap everything in grace. I'm gonna be able to, at the end of the conversation or the beginning of the conversation, praise the person that I'm at at odds with. And I'm gonna be able to say to them, this is good about you. And this is pure about your heart. And this is a great point that you made. And there's this love. And I'm telling you guys, love is what wins, right? I'm telling you, the rules of God, they're necessary, but they didn't win you to salvation, It was the kindness of God that leads to repentance as the scripture says. And so we've got to lead with that. Well, we'll stand up for the truth. It's okay to have a political party and a cause, but it's all got to be wrapped in grace. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you've heard a lot about grace tonight, forgiveness, love, mercy, a savior who came. Jesus loves you so much, he died on the cross and then he rose back from the dead to make you his. If you want to put your trust in him, I'm gonna give you a chance to do that in just a minute. If you're watching online, I would pray you'd think about doing the same. But if you are not a follower of Jesus, I hope tonight's the night for you to really look to Jesus and say, I need you, I'm desperate for you, be my savior. If you're a follower of Jesus this week, what does it look like to wrap it all in grace and to choose to be unoffendable? Let's pray. God, we love you. We humble ourselves. We need you. We're desperate for you, God. It's such a challenging time. And we just look and we ask you for mercy tonight, God. We ask you for grace and strength tonight, Jesus. If you're a follower of Jesus, I wanna ask you to pray right now about something that just maybe struck your heart and maybe there's just an uneasiness in you. Guys, I gotta tell you, this isn't easy stuff to hear. You know, the stuff we're talking about tonight is not easily digested because it works against our selfishness and our pride and our our desire even to do the right thing and to kind of stand up for what's right and and we gotta let God work all that out and so I wanna ask you just to bring that to God now and just have a personal conversation with him and if you're not a follower of Jesus and you wanna put your trust in him, I'd encourage you to pray with me now. Maybe you could just pray something like this if you'd like to. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for wrapping me up in your grace. I don't deserve it, but I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Jesus, you came and died for me. And I believe tonight I'm putting my faith in this fact that you rose back from the dead to make me yours. Jesus, show me what it looks like to follow you and to live an unoffendable life. Thank you for this mercy. In your name I pray.